0: left corner to again. Look the left
1: circle. Hassie D.L. with a shot. Saved Made by Allegheny. The 3 Another shot. They score! The Flames win it! Yeah! Baby! They score!
2: And the sea of red erupts. Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Logan Gordon. All
1: right, let's get things going on this Friday, November 10th. Happy Friday. Flames talk underway from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio with Logan Gordon. My name is Pat Steinberg on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Logo. Hi, Patrick. Flames kick off a three-game road trip. Friday night in Toronto. It's showcase night! Yeah! Flames are showcasing all their players for Brad Trliving to trade for, right? what <laughs> the text line tells me. It's showcase night. Vladar starting. Must be because they're showcasing him to Toronto. That makes sense. Hannafin and Zadorov and Tanev and Lindholm, they're all going to be Maple Leafs, right? Yeah. Of course, I say all this tongue-in-cheek. Uh, I Now, in all seriousness... I do wonder a little bit about Toronto as a fit for some of these potential trade conversations that we're going to keep having until the trade deadline is passed. Until all the fates are decided or the trade deadline's passed, we're going to be talking off and on about the futures of Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm and Nikita Zadorov, and Chris Tanev and to a lesser extent some of the non-pending UFAs. I do wonder a little bit about the Maple Leafs as a fit. And and that is before we even get to who their general manager is. But this is a team that is clearly invested, despite a 6-5-2 and start to the season, they are clearly invested in this season. They have a ton of eggs in this season's basket. Look at all those one-year contracts they signed. They've got William Nylander's deal coming up at the end of this year, and that's going to completely change their cap situation. So they go out, they bring in Domi or Bertuzzi or uh, Klingberg, who's not going to play Friday night. They've got a number of these one-year contracts. They do not have a lot of draft capital left. They do not have a great prospect system. It just feels like with Nylander's contract coming up, And with where the Maple Leafs have been the last five years, the fact that they finally got to round two last season before getting pumped by the Panthers, you just wonder if the Maple Leafs are the type of team that if the Flames do go into more of a selling mode with their pending unrestricted free agents, if the Maple Leafs wouldn't be a team that you could pinpoint as a partner. They have their first round pick in 2024. I know they don't have the world's greatest prospect group, but they do have young NHLers. Uh, nice, Nick Robertson, uh, Lilia Grin. That they've, they've got some young NHLers that could be part of the conversation as well. And Logo, that's before you even factor in that Brad Treliving is the former GM of the Flames, knows these players very well, and is now the GM of the Maple Leafs. So is it showcase night? Of course not. But as they get set to take on the Maple Leafs Friday night, I do wonder about Toronto as a trade partner. Is that, is, is that fair are they one of the more likely potential trade partners for the Flames?
2: I think so. I think we've had this conversation about Toronto since Craig Conroy got named as this team's next general manager. I think we immediately went to connecting the dots between these two teams. I think the deals that we talked about in the summer were probably different than the ones that we're talking about now, but I think you can see a, a good translation. And if you're Brad Living, Pat, Better the demon you know than the one that you don't, right? Why take a risk on a player that, you know, you don't have any personal experience with compared to one that you do if the cost and everything else, let's say, is is equal? Would you not take the option that you have more knowledge on? I think I would lean towards that if I was Brad Joliving, and the Flames offer a nice variety of options as well. It's not as though they've only got one selling point, um, say if they're looking for a defenseman, I think between Nikita Zadorov, Chris Tanev, and Noah Hannifin specifically, you're looking at three different things that can add different aspects yep. to your blue line if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I got to be honest, talking to to Brent Gunning on Sportsnet today, there's a major concern about that decor in Toronto going forward. John no, Klingberg, why?
1: I don't know why you say that. I just John don't-
2: Klingberg has been one of the major mistakes early on, at least in Brad Trilliving's tenure, he has not been able to provide consistent minutes for this team early on, at least this season. And well, he's been consistent. Consistent. Yeah. Consistently bad. Yeah. Uh, and now he's going to find himself consistently in the press box. If it keeps going this way, well, he's not going to play Friday night for injury reasons. Yeah. It's so a nice way of putting it Some things. Yep. Yeah. He's battling through some things a uh, bad hockey. Uh, that's what he's battling through. You know, TJ Brody is 33 already. Mark Giordano is the oldest player in the NHL, Pat. Does that not feel like a blue line that needs some sort of injection one way or another? I, I think that there's a very natural bridge between these two teams. And I know there's a jaded fan base here in Calgary because of a former GM that fleeced the Calgary Flames at one point um, for their in their past. And I can understand why you might be wary of that, but I think it makes a lot of sense to look at these two teams and and connect the dots for what Calgary has available and what Toronto needs, because they can't simply punt on this season, given all the factors that you laid out.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you might as well. You've got one more year of Tavares after this year, and look, John Tavares is going to be a great Maple Leaf when it's all said and done, and he's going to have given the Leafs some pretty solid value at the deal they signed him to. So they got one year left of Tavares at $11 million, but at the same time, Austin Matthews takes his $1.5 million hike uh, for next season. They've only got the one year left of Mitch Marner, too. So they got one year left of Marner, one year left of Tavares. They've got Nylander as a pending UFA, and they've got Matthews and his contract kicking in next season. Their cap is going to be drastically different in the next year or two because... Martyr probably gets a slight raise on what he's at. We don't know about what the Tavares situation is going to be. There's a decent chance the Maple Leafs have to either walk away or Tavares has to take a significant haircut if he's going to remain. John's 33 years old. So I I just, I look at the Leafs. I'm with you. It's not just Klingberg. Klingberg's been no good, but you take a look at that blue line. After Morgan Riley, who I think is an elite defenseman, and he has progressed to being one of the best E-men in the NHL. But after Riley, Brody's clearly on the downfall. Klingberg's been awful at 4.15. They're getting McCabe back, and and he gives them some stability. But Gio's 40 years old, and then you've got Lilia Grin Hurt and a couple of... Six, seven, eight guys that are getting into the lineup right now. That blue line is not a Stanley Cup contending blue line. If you add Noah Hannafin, or if you add Chris Tanev, or if you add Nikita Zadorov, it gets better. Any one of those three guys is in Toronto's top four. And yep. yes, there's the easy connection with who the general manager is. I, and, and, and that's kind of an empty netter, but it's also not irrelevant. We saw Brad Living's kind of, it's not like it was a complete fluke that he made some deals with Arizona, especially in the early going of his time. When you know guys, you're going to lean towards those guys. So I do think they're a, a solid trade partner. And look, both teams are capped out. Both teams are completely capped out. The Maple Leafs are well into LTIR. Um, and They're, they're on play. an emergency
2: loan right now, I believe.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the uh, the Flames are into LTIR for sure. The Maple Leafs have four players. Uh, they're four players deep in LTIR with $12.8 million in LTIR credit with Muzzin, Murray, Lilia Grin, and Connor Timmins. So it could work. The Leafs could do it. The Flames could do it. Toronto is clearly in cup or bust mode right now. Just that's a place to look for. I don't think some of the texts that are coming in, trade them all there. Trade Tanev, Zdorov, <laughs> Hannafin, and Lindholm all in one fell swoop today. No, no, that's probably not going to happen. That's, but, yeah. you know, Hannafin, sure. Or is Tanev. Tanev's a Toronto boy. He's uh, he, he's born and raised in Toronto. I think it would be mean a lot to him to go play there, even if it's just for the balance of this season, whenever that would be, if the Flames decide to trade him.
2: So, And zodorov has been the guy, I think, most named by insiders... As the main guy that Toronto's been looking at. If I'm correct me if I'm wrong from your perspective, Pat, but I've heard Zodora's name out of the likes of, of Friedman and Kevin Weeks VSPN the last couple of weeks when we've had when they've had these conversations. So I I think he's of, of large interest to them as well. Yep.
1: I think any one of those guys would be a great fit there. So we'll see. That is that is one of the most realistic trade partners, even before taking into account who the GM is. If you text 960, 960. What does Toronto have? The CN tower. I think they've got like the eight tallest buildings. The hockey, in hall, of hockey in hall of fame is in Toronto. In Toronto. Got great. Uh, they've got a, Drake. a great downtown midlife. They got the
2: Raptors. Do you like Drake, Pat? He is, I believe from the six. Mm. Prove it. I can't.
1: Uh, they got a completely inept transit system. The, ra- the rapid transit is garbage. Um, so yeah, that's what Toronto has. Uh, what does Toronto have in terms of assets? I believe. Oh, oh. I, th- I misunderstood the question.
2: Um, they've got the largest population in the country. Could you acquire animals from the Toronto zoo? I believe their zoo is very well stocked. Probably a good zoo. Yeah. Great nightlife. Awesome
1: spot. Some, some different great pockets. Anyway, uh, they've got their first-round picks big this year.
2: sign that says Toronto. They do. It lights
1: up in different yeah. colors. Uh, so they've got a first-round pick in 2024. Their prospect system is not super sexy, but they do have some young NHLers. focus on others, their talent, as, what they I look said, like. as I said earlier, Matthew Nye's is going to get a big raise, and a lot of people wonder if the Leafs are going to be able to keep him. I don't think Toronto would trade him, but they've got Nye's. The Nick Robertson saga continues. There's so many people who want Nick Robertson to be a full-time Maple Leaf, but he spent a lot of time with the Marlies. So Nick Robertson's still young. Matthew Nyes is still young. And I mentioned Lilia Grin, who's 24. So they do have some young NHLers and guys who could step into a lineup. Plus, they've got their first-round pick in 2024. Um, so they, uh, they they do have that. Um this says, uh, still need a decent decor to support an injured goalie and rookie goalie. Don't want to leave the goalies out to dry all year even worse than they are. Again, I'm not suggesting that they trade every single player to the Maple Leafs. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm just suggesting that if they do end up making a trade for a guy like Hannafin, or if they do decide to move out their pending UFAs, the Maple Leafs could be a very good you, very you have good to do partner. something
2: with the three UFAs. Like, you can't... I don't know how many times Craig Conroy's had to say it, but they are not interested in going down the road of assets for nothing. Yep. And when you're, yep. they, you've are you had a six-game losing streak to start the season, these are conversations that come up.
1: Here's one from Dan and Cochran. If the Falamis decide to sell, uh, if the Flames decide to sell,
2: but it is spelled Phalamus. I don't know. We could be talking about the Phalamus, so. Uh
1: If the Flames decide to sell, then I personally don't care who they trade with. Leafs, Oilers, who cares? Highest bidder gets the player. Plain and simple. I would not take a lesser payment simply because it's tree. No, I'm not suggesting you take less because it's the Maple Leafs. I sure as hell hope that Conroy doesn't go, yeah, you're my mentor. Take him for free. No, no, I, no. You still need to get a good return for him. Um, this says, did you say the Leafs got pumped by the Florida Panthers in the second round? That's kind of a silly comment when they got beat by a red hot goalie. Seems like a Maple Leafs fan. Uh, they did they not lose in five games? I was gonna say
2: it was five games. Yeah. So you got pumped.
1: This is one where I. This is where I'm like, yeah, maybe not. Hannafin, Tanev, Lindholm, all max retention, and Vladar for Klingberg, Domi, two first, two thirds, and all the good prospects, young NHLers.
2: Sure. Wow. He just did all the work for us. <laughs> Why do we even have this conversation? We should just read that text.
1: Craig, call up Tree right now. You got your trades. Does that even work, Cap? Why? I don't. I haven't looked that far into it.
2: <laughs> um, Klingberg, me two firsts, two thirds, all the good young players. Bring them in,
1: all of them, for a bunch of pending UFAs and a goalie with one. More I year can't left see why Tree field. wouldn't
2: do that, to be honest.
1: Uh, a few other things to touch on as we're underway here this hour of Flames Talk. Daily Flames Roundtable a little bit later on this hour with Logan Gordon. It's Pat Steinberg. So that's uh, that's kind of the the way we'll kick it off just because they are playing the Maple Leafs Friday night. And a lot of people point to Toronto as a potential trade partner for the Flames. When the Flames play Friday at Scotiabank Arena, Mackenzie Wieger will suit up in his 400th career NHL game. Not quite in his hometown. He'll play game 401 Saturday in his hometown of Ottawa. Game 400 he'll play in Toronto. But, you know, just as we talked about when Noah Hannafin played his 600th NHL game earlier this year, that's pretty cool for Uyghur. Because that is not the traditional road to the NHL. The road to the NHL for Mackenzie Weger sure does mirror in a lot of ways the 40-year-old playing on the Maple Leafs blue line right now and Mark Giordano's road to the NHL, where he didn't make it to Major Junior until late. And Weger did get drafted. Gio didn't get drafted, but Weger got drafted as a 19-year-old in the seventh round at the 2013 Pretty, pretty close draft. to not
2: being drafted.
1: He didn't make his NHL debut, so he got drafted in June 2013. And didn't debut almost until almost four years later when he debuted in April of 2017. He spent time on the coast. He spent time in the American League and then finally became an NHLer. And even then, it was a slow grind and a slow roll for him to become a full-time NHLer. And and he had a very odd draft day experience. I'll tell you the genesis of why. So Mackenzie will be on our pregame show Friday night. I chatted with him Friday after practice in Toronto. And at the flames golf tournament to kick off the year. Uh, I was talking to Lisa Longball at the special Olympics breakfast ch- with champions earlier this week. And she comes out to me. She goes, I got to tell you like Mackenzie Weger, I've played with him the last two years at the, at the charity golf classic. And um, he told this story about getting drafted about how he was in the building. Didn't want to be there, but he was there. His agent told him to go. And then his mom was there and wouldn't let him leave. So, that's kind of the reader's digest version. Here's the actual Mackenzie Weager draft day story. It's it's uh one of those good draft day stories for a guy who went in the seventh round at Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey.
3: We went there. I didn't really want to go. My agent was kind of hyping me up.
1: I was going he was telling me I was gonna go in the, you know, the fourth or fifth round and uh you're sitting there waiting and you know, waiting a long time and the teams go by and um, you know, I I wanted to get out of there. I kind of gave up, but <laughs> they, uh, they told me to sit down and wait and, um, you know, luckily Florida called and made a trade with Montreal and, um, you know, my name popped up and my mom screamed and shouted, but there was nobody really in the building. So everybody, the, the people that were there kind of looked over and was like, what's going on? And, um, you know, walked down the stairs and treated it like I was a first rounder, but, um, only a couple people there to greet me and did the media tour, but there was only a couple media members there. It was, it was a special day and, um, you know, little things like that, you know, it goes a long way and things. Things like that you don't, you don't forget. I just think it's a cool story. It's similar to the Dustin Wolf draft story. 2019 in Vancouver, he stuck around, stuck around, stuck around, went in the seventh round. I remember vividly when he got drafted in Vancouver, hearing like this, because again, there's there's very few people left when you get to the seventh round. It's just the people on the floor and a few fans, a few families left that you feel really bad for and then all of a sudden you hear this huge scream from the Wolf contingent, like, oh, whoever the Flames just picked, I had no idea or didn't know a whole lot. I don't think I knew anything about Dustin Wolf at the time. I'm no prospects guy. So I'm like, oh, that guy the Flames just picked. They're, <laughs> Up they're there, here. Yeah. They're here. Uh, and it was it was neat. So that's a, it's a cool story for McKenzie and He's turned it into a, for for a seventh round pick of the Florida Panthers at a draft more than 10 years ago, he's turned it into a pretty good career. He's turned it into an eight year contract with his new team. And I know that the trade with Florida has not given the flames, the overwhelmingly positive results that everybody wanted or expected when they made it in July, 2022, but Weger has, slowly gotten better and slowly settled into his role as one of the top defensemen on this team. And, you know, he's had an up and down year, but he's, he started to get, he started to look more and more comfortable as a member of the flames. And, and I, I would say comfort wise, there's pretty big difference if you compare a to Huberto in their first season and a bit as a member of the Flames.
2: It's just the cool story being a 206th overall pick, um, when he plays in his 400s game tonight, Pat, he'll be the 31st player from his draft class to hit the four game, uh, 400 game plus played mark. That's a huge accomplishment uh, for a guy that was taken that late. Um, he's uh, one of a couple, interesting enough, a couple of seventh rounders played some decent NHL time from his draft class. But, you know, going to the seventh round, we talked so much about even those guys making the transition to pro hockey, even making it to the American Hockey League level and We still have those conversations, at least I do, about Dustin Wolf and talking about how special it was for him last year to be a two-time goalie of the year and an AHL MVP. That doesn't happen to seventh rounders very often, and McKenzie finds himself in that same kind of category. There's not many guys that pick up and are going into a game Friday night against the Toronto Maple Leafs as a top two defenseman on a team in the NHL, and it's uh it's a lot of work i'm sure there's a lot of moments where you wonder if it was ever going to happen and i imagine for a guy like mckenzie it's almost it almost means a little bit more when you get that first long term contract extension like that one that came from the calgary flames after the trade to florida because you know sort of some affirmation and something that you've never really had in your career as a hockey player is that sort of safety net of a long term deal right because you've always yeah. had to fight for every inch to, to get to that next level. And now you've reached a point where uh, an organization believes in you enough to give you that sort of money and that sort of guarantee. Um, it's been great. And I've loved to see him. He's one of the best quotes in the locker room. He's always open. I, I think he's one of the most honest guys in that locker room, Pat, talking about how he says it. His, he had great quotes this week, talking about the Jonathan Huberto situation and how he felt about it. And, um, I think he's becoming a very important member more and more of the Calgary Flames as his time here in Calgary goes on.
1: So uh, congrats to Mackenzie Wieger. He'll play his 400th career NHL game in his home province of Ontario. Not quite his hometown in Ottawa, but a cool milestone for Mackenzie Wieger. Um and, and and look, you know, we're here in Calgary. We don't like, we don't take joy in the misfortune of the Edmonton Oilers. We don't? We, we net no. We're we're, oh. per, we're 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 all Albertans. Sure. We're all Albertans. We're, we're all, all in
2: on the mountains of Edmonton just, together. No,
1: I'm all, I'm an Alberta hockey guy. I like it really? when both Here on Flames Talk, we like it when both teams
2: do Alberta Hockey Talk.
1: Yeah, this is uh, Alberta Hockey Talk with <laughs> That sounds like a that sounds like a syndicated show from what, 1996. Hi, <laughs> so, right, welcome to Alberta Hockey Talk. We're going to dive in on the AJHL. We'll take any... No, we'll stop in Medicine Hat, Alberta, and let you know about the Tigers. Um, not like there's anything wrong with that. Obviously, we do take a great amount of joy in the misfortune of the Edmonton Oilers. There's really nothing better than seeing the Oilers fail for a lot of people <laughs> in this city. Uh, I don't, look, I, I, I will say this, all joking aside and all the poking fun aside. Sure. I am absolutely somebody's texted in hashtag Alberta Strong. <laughs> uh, I I am absolutely stunned by what we've seen to start the year in Edmonton. To see that team at 2-9 and 1. I I begrudgingly with it it felt like puke in my mouth said that they're a a... I thought they were a legit Stanley Cup contender again entering this year. I thought Stuart Skinner was going to have a really good bounce back year. I thought Edmonton was one of the teams to beat. And I know it's only 11 games or 12 games, and there's still seven to go, blah, blah, blah. But to see them at 2-9-1, to see them lose to a team that we are calling the potential worst team in NHL history, who, before beating Philadelphia, had allowed 20 goals in back-to-back home games— it's it's actually stunning to see what's happening in Edmonton right now. I I still am having a hard time wrapping my head around that their goaltending has been atrocious. We know that Jack Campbell woof in his first <clears throat> game in Bakersfield as well. But there is there not only is it a, a, a joyful occasion for many Flames fans when the others fall flat on their face, but we also when this happens get some pretty good Leon Drysaddle content. Like, I'll take you back to two seasons ago.
3: Did you think over the last two years you've been second in your division and you showed a lot of maturity, but now you've lost six in a row twice. Did you think your team was past that, not getting into these long losing streaks?
2: Sure, yeah.
3: Um, Lots of reasons for why the owners are playing the way they are in terms of winning and losing. What do you think's the number one reason For the losses now, is there is there one thing that you, in your own mind, you're saying we got to get better at that? Yeah, we we have to get better at everything. Would you like to expand on that? No. You can do that. You know everything. Why are you so pissy, Leon? (laughs) Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just answering your. Yeah, you are. Whenever I ask you a question, I gave you an answer. (laughs) Not very good one. Okay. But I have one more for you, Leon. You show your frustration on the ice last game against Ottawa. Is that a good thing when you show it, so the other team knows you're frustrated? Yeah, it's a great thing
2: for sure. <laughs> so that was two seasons. <laughs> the ago. balls to go in after that with another. I've got one, got one more question. Hey, like, well, before you go, Leon, I got one more for
1: you. It's been a little while, but last night. Is that just it, Where it's,
2: it's like it doesn't feel like anyone's going right now? Have you ever experienced something like this where, you know, some, some guys slump, obviously, but it just feels like no one's going right now. Yep,
3: great, great observation. <laughs> Let's...
1: The clap at the end is my favorite. Like, gives him a little oof.
2: <laughs> I texted you this last night.
1: Why, is, well, why are the Oilers why, rolling him out? Why is
2: he going out to do media after? Like, bring Nuge out for sure. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, absolutely. I And I get, he's one of the... Lead, I get, but he just... He's so sour about it. And I get it. But they have five points.
3: Great observation.
2: <laughs> five, five points. I don't even know how that's possible in a league that gives away extra points for getting to overtime. They have... Five points. I I, I it really is really am hard to believe.
1: Objectively, without poking fun, I am stunned by what's going on right now.
2: I actually, I was. Everyone was looking forward to Thursday because this could have happened. Did I actually expect it to happen last night? Not I thought the Oilers were going to
1: steamroll San Jose. I thought it was going to be like seven one. They
2: gave up back to back ten goal games. Ten. That's that hasn't happened. of the stats in the sixties the oil like, there's nights where Connor could have beat that San Jose team single-handedly and they got outworked they got outchan- they, like San Jose put up 18 shots last night and they still won the game yeah what is happening there yeah
1: it's it's actually and again we like to poke fun at at Jay Woodcroft's mannerisms and some of the things that he says obviously he played some mind games at the Flames in in the Battle of Alberta in 2022, but I honestly believe Jay Woodcroft is a hell of a hockey coach. I think he has done great work there and I think that whatever happens, he's it feels like it's inevitable he's going to get fired. I think I think that in the long term is a mistake. And yet, I don't know what else. I thought Mark Spector, our, our colleague in Edmonton, made a hell of a point on Twitter on Thursday night. He said, you don't get a bump from firing a GM. You get a bump from firing a coach. And that might be the only thing they've got left, even though in the long term, I think it would actually be a horrible decision for the Oilers. If they want to salvage this season, that might be the one of the last cards they have to play here. And I don't think honestly woodcroft deserves it because i think he's a hell of a coach and i think he's done a really good job there he's one like jay getting there turned that team from a group that looked a little bit like this yep. into a team that went to a western conference final and and went to back-to-back second rounds And i know that's nothing to to celebrate you don't you don't you know plan parades for winning six and eight playoff games in a year but
2: they moved the needle they sure did Right? And that's something that, that can't be said for everybody. And the, the problem is, and we talk about this all the time, the coach is the easy one. But it, for Ken Holland, this is a guy that many have criticized him for not doing enough during the mcdavid sidle tenure as it is. And now he's in cap hell. And he the, the fact of the matter is, Pat, when you talk about this all the time, the 31 other teams... What do we always say? They're not sending you a lifeline. They're sending you an anchor. They're not out to help you whatsoever. So sometimes you're forced into making the only move that's possible because there's no one that's sending them. Again, uh, for all the Oilers fans, we've had this conversation. They need to go get a number one. They need to go get a guy that can play that. Who is giving you a number one goaltender for the McDavid era? Nobody. You think UC Soros is going to come cheap from Nashville or if they even want to trade him? It's not going to happen, so you're kind of forced into the only move that you think might be able to do it, and like you said, it might be the worst possible
1: move for them. I've seen people like unironically talking about trading Leon Dreisaitl.
2: What Blows you, my uh, mind. It's I, At this point, I don't even know that that's the craziest thing to think about for this because... This team, uh, to be at this point...
1: I wouldn't trade that guy if...
2: Even you if he will, got you a number one goal, you w- wouldn't trade him? You
1: will lose that trade. It is a guarantee you will lose the Leon Dreisaitl trade. I know he's not playing well right now. But then who would you interview after games, Pat? That's a good point. Great observation. It's uh, Steinberg Thanks, and Loco along with you this hour on Flames Talk. I've messed up the timing a little bit. That's on me. Uh, whether you're a fan of sports or a fan of great deals, our friends over at 403 Local—they're the place to be. So every time the local hockey heroes are playing, get over to local fo- to 403 Local and uh, get their uh, get their game night special. It's two beers and a pizza for twenty bucks every time that uh, the local team's playing on Sundays. Watch football, NFL action with 50-cent wings and happy hour all day. They also do wing night on Wednesday. Mondays, it's dry ribs, just 5 bucks a pound. They also have daily happy hour, 3-6 o'clock, and lunch specials every weekday from 11.30 to 2.30. Plus, 403 Local, available for private functions. Visit 403 Local in Canyon Meadows and at 403local.com. Anything and everything, Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960, the fan. All right, time now for our Daily Flames round table brought to you by Mercedes Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 Four Matic Coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48 month lease. Zero down for 1099 a month. No payments until 2024. It's Pat logo and now the voice of the flames derek wills joins us to complete our daily flames round table as the flames get set to take on the uh, the toronto maple leafs on friday night and we know jacob markstrom is day-to-day with an injury and we know that dan vladar is starting friday in toronto so here is my question friends would you start dustin wolf saturday in ottawa that's my big question Would you go Wolf against the Senators on Saturday night?
0: I feel like for most, there's only one correct answer to this question. (laughs) Yeah, it could be. (laughs) Uh, Well, without being there and without knowing what the exact status of Jacob Markstrom is, if he could go, then I would probably go with him. I know that's not going to be a popular opinion, but if they feel like he can't play or... If he's dealing with something that could potentially get worse if he does play, then I would definitely go the safe route and turn to Dustin Wolf for his second NHL game. It's the second half of a back-to-back, so I'm not going back to Dan Vladar tomorrow unless you were to get pulled early in the game and be well-rested uh, for tomorrow's game against the Senators. But let's assume that he goes start to finish versus the Maple Leafs tonight, and Jacob Markstrom is dealing with something that... Uh, they would better off be waiting on and you've got two days between tomorrow's game versus the senators and tuesday's game versus the canadians then i think it makes all the sense in the world to turn to dustin wolf and the plan prior to the start of the season was to even if both jacob markstrom and dan vladar were on the roster and healthy to get dustin wolf some nhl games sooner or later or later they were going to find a way to do that and with markstrom a little bit banged up right now i think this is the perfect time to do that. And you do it against the Senators team that, uh, you know, even if Wolf just plays okay, you should still have a chance to, to win that hockey game tomorrow. So yeah, I, I would like to see Wolf get his first start of the season in the NHL.
2: Absolutely. I'm totally on board for it. I think Toronto would have been a bit of a tough landing spot on Friday for him, just knowing the sort of arsenal that they can throw out on a day-to-day basis. And look, this is kind of his first real NHL start guys. I don't want to take too much away from game 82 last year, but there was nothing on the line for the San Jose sharks or the Calgary flames. The two points didn't mean anything. The two points tonight do mean something for both of these teams. So I, and the game that Dustin Wolf will get into will mean something as well. So I think that there's still going to be a bit of a learning curve for him and and what's going to be a different NHL game than the one That he initially got into, but yeah, given the the training camp that he had, given the strong start that he's had with the Wranglers once again, and the fact that we've heard from this organization, Pat, that they've been committed to getting him NHL time this year. Well, if if Jacob Markstrom is banged up and needs a couple extra days to get back to 100%, uh, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't put Dustin Wolf in the net uh, Saturday night against the Ottawa Senators. Guys,
1: it just seems like a no-brainer to me because Markstrom's day-to-day, if he doesn't start on Saturday against Ottawa, he's not going to dress for this game against Toronto. Then he's got a week between games, day-to-day, give him all the rest that you need to give him, play him against Montreal on Tuesday. You've got Wolf up. It's for injury insurance reasons, but you might as well play him because... I just I I see no downside on it. You're on the second half of back to back. You've got a guy nursing a minor injury, as we talked about for most of Thursday, and you've got a guy that you're trying to show that is still part of the plan, despite him being in the American League. Like I see zero downside to it. I I would actually, it feels like you'd be overthinking yourself. If you didn't go to Dustin on Saturday against Ottawa, it just, it's, to me anyway, and maybe this is just me, maybe it's not as obvious to others, and I get that, we all have different opinions, but for me, Wilsey, like, it just feels like the answer is so obvious and screaming at you in the face, play Dustin Wolf, it's obvious, it's easy, then you send him back down after the trip, but he gets gets one game in the NHL, and he can talk about when the next one's going to be in a few weeks or a few months, it just seems like a tailor-made opportunity.
0: I would probably be as passionate about it as you are, Pat, if I knew more about what's going on with Jacob Markstrom. I mean, he started and finished the game on Tuesday night, and then he didn't show up at practice on Wednesday, but we were told it was a maintenance day. But there have been maintenance days before where, you know, guys were definitely dealing with something big or uh, small, which hopefully it's small in Markstrom's case. But without knowing kind of where he's at, is he at 98%? Is he at... 60% without knowing the answer to that question, I can't say that I think Dustin Wolf gives the Flames a better chance to beat the Senators than Jacob Markstrom because we have a one-game sample size with Wolf and it was a meaningless game against the Sharks in game 82 last season. And that's not a knock on him. He he has been brilliant at every level that he's played at. And most recently in the AHL is a two-time AHL goaltender of the year and the MVP of the league last season. So the guy has accomplished outside of winning a Calder Cup, everything that he can accomplish at the American Hockey League level. And now we all want to see what he looks like at the National Hockey League level. But I still think that Markstrom at 100% gives the Flames the best chance to win in comparison to both Ladar and Wolf. And with the way they've started the season, I know it's game 13 tonight, game 14 tomorrow night, but every point, every game matters so much for this team as they try to fight their way back into uh playoff contention and there's a long road ahead so if if Markstrom could use a couple of extra days even if he can go but would be better off not to go uh against the Senators on Saturday and instead wait until Tuesday against the Canadians then yeah give Dustin Wolf to start in Ottawa on Saturday I'd be all for it
1: be neat to see um we'll yep. see if we'll see if they go down that road kind of just the fact that Markstrom is not dressing for this game against the maple leafs it feels Tells like story. yeah it does uh-huh. it, it really does it, it feels like wolf has a really good opportunity to play on saturday but we'll see we'll see how that the one plays yeah other thing out. i would say yeah.
0: is that quite often when you're playing your number 2 goaltender or in this case your number 3 goaltender the forwards and defensemen in front of that goalie feel like they're obligated to to really give it 100%. Not that they're not giving it 100% night in, night out, but I think they feel like they have to protect their number two or number three guys. So maybe that leads to the Flames being better in front of their goaltender against the right. Senators on Saturday, and that wouldn't be a bad thing.
1: Or as the text line suggests, we don't know anything. Uh, Markstrom's not hurt. He's just being traded to Toronto for Nylander. So mm-hmm. we don't know anything. And, wow, what a trade. Uh, I don't, can't I, believe we didn't figure that one out, guys. Uh, I can't believe that. Will, is he going to walk down up? the
0: hallway tonight? Markstrom starts for the Maple Leafs, and Nylander stretches Absolutely. his point streak to start the season to 14 games for the Flames. That'd be interesting. They've
1: just been they've just been lying to us. Both teams, uh, huge subterfuge. <laughs> uh, even even Willie Nylander in that puffy jacket a couple days ago on the subway. It's all part of the big ruse that uh, there is a trade coming down. Uh, Daily Flames roundtable, uh with Logan Gordon. My name is Pat Steinberg. That's the Dustin Wolf conversation. We talked a lot about Nazem Kadri for good reason. There's been a lot of excitement about Connor Zeri of late for good reason. But Derek, one of the uh, things that you've pointed out a number of times over the last couple of days is the other guy on that line. And what we're seeing from Yegor Sharangovich of late is, in your opinion, it feels like he's really starting to settle in and find a little more confidence with his new team. What are we seeing with Yegor Sharangovich of late?
0: Yeah, I mean, until recently, he kind of looked like a guy who was trying to figure out who he was as a player and where he fit in on his new team. And now suddenly, being put on the right side of a line with Nazem Kadri, who's playing his best hockey of the season right now, and you could argue his best hockey since he signed with the Flames a couple of summers ago, and Connor Zeri, who has brought uh, some energy to that line, has brought some skill and some grit to that line, he's looking like the player that I know I was hoping he would be when the Flames traded their leading goal scorer and top point producer in Tyler Toffoli for him in a third-round pick during the offseason. And to, to me, he's starting to look way more comfortable in his own skin and way more confident. And in my opinion, one sign of a confident player is a player who shoots the puck. And I look at the last three games, five shots on goal against the Predators, four against the Kraken, three against the stars he's starting to shoot it which tells me he's starting to become more confident and with confidence I think comes points and and vice versa but he's got three points a goal and two assists in his last couple of games so he's uh he's been impressive of late when I think about his 200 foot game which is one of the things that we were told about him is that he is a, a 200 foot player and I thought earlier in the season he was pretty reliable defensively and without the puck but Offensively and with the puck, just looked a little unconfident or a little unsure of himself. But now it's all starting to come together for Igor Sharangovich and you know, putting him in a spot uh, at center on the fourth line and taking some pressure off him. And I'm guessing they asked him to simplify his game. I think that's paid dividends for the Flames because uh, now he he seems to to just be a more comfortable and confident player. And, and he's fitted really well on the right side of Kadri and Zary.
2: Yeah. For me guys, it's as simple as I, I think he's found a spot for the first time in Calgary uh, to use your word, Derek, at the end, they're comfortable. that He's he's comfortable. in. I think uh, for a lot of training camp, and I don't think this just applied to Yegor Sharagovic. I think it applied to a lot of different flames lines and maybe even still to an extent, some of the lines we see now that, You know, we haven't really found that key spot for everybody right now, right? We know you can always go back to a a backland Coleman man, Japani. But, you know, I think Ryan Huska and his coaching staff guys were set to try out some new things during training camp and preseason that maybe we didn't see with this group last year. And I think it led to a couple of guys, including Yegor Sharangovich, who were going to because he has the ability to play up and down the lineup who some nights was just going to be forced into a spot that maybe he wasn't used to or a spot that we only thought we'd see him for a game or two in. And now he's really found some comfort with his line mates. He seems to understand the game really well and feed off of what Connor's Zary and-, and Nazem Kadri are doing on a night to night basis. And it's led to them being this team's best line. I think for the last three games, since they've been put together um, to-, to me, he just looks like a guy that's, Finding some run with the the right line mates right now, Pat, and it's led to yeah. some early success for them. He's
1: been, he's been really strong, and and yeah the the two way game two way game is is what popped him on that line. Willsie with Doer and and Greer when they were really good together, and I think that's when I I think that's when maybe the narrative started to change. Cause I think that really helped him get a little more comfortable. Hadn't played center in years and jumped right in to that spot and, and started that line was excelling. And for a few games, they were the most reliable line for the flames. I, I, I really wonder if that didn't start the building confidence for him. And then all of a sudden you get this opportunity playing with Connor Zeri, who's really brought an infusion to the group. And Nazem Kadri has brought his best game the last little bit. It, it it's been a slow build for Sharon Govich and and yeah, I uh I, I think I think it's important that you've pointed him out the last few days because He's kind of the forgotten guy on Calgary's best line right now. Kadri's been great. I think he's been their best player. Zeri's got all the attention because he's the first-round pick and he's a rookie and and getting his first opportunity. But Sharon Govich has been right there and a a real key contributor on that line too.
0: Don't you guys think that it's almost the exception to the rule when a player joins a new team that they immediately fit in and are at their best? I would say so. So I, I think there was going to be some sort of learning curve for Yegor Sharangovich, new city, new team, new way of playing, new line mates. But he's proven that he can play with really good players. We saw him at his best on a line with Jack Hughes, who was turned turned into one of the best players in the league. So we know he can play with high end guys, and not all guys can play with elite players. But he's proven that he can. I think he's been a great fit with Kadri and Zeri. And you know, right now, I would say the Flames have two lines going and two pairings going. And their line with Kadri, Zeri, and Sharingovich has been the best of the bunch over the last handful of hockey games, certainly since they snapped their season-long six-game losing streak. And then they've got the Backlund-Coleman line and, and Pospisil looks like he's going to start there again against the Maple Leafs tonight. Now they need to get at least one more line going, ideally their first line, centred by Elias Linton with Jonathan Huberto and Andrew Mangiapani And... Their top four is going on defense, so th- this is turning into a team where more guys are starting to contribute and and help the team win hockey games. And Sharon Govich is uh, certainly pretty high on that list for me.
1: Uh, thank you, Wilsie. Sorry about the timing. Well, we'll we'll get it back to earlier on Monday. Uh, we'll see you here in a few in a few minutes. Sounds good. See you soon. Uh, he's Derek Wills. He's Logan Gordon. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll start to wrap us up this hour. Thanks to Cam and Taylor, our producers as well. Logan Gordon's on Twitter at Fan960Logan. This hour wraps up, and so does the Daily Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 4Matic Coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024.